God's Road Grace Church would like to invite you to listen to a sermon by our pastor, Todd Nybert. We are located at 4137 Todd's Road, two miles outside of Manowar Boulevard. Sunday services are at 1030 a.m. and 6 p.m. Bible study is at 945 a.m. Wednesday services are at 7 p.m. Nursery is provided for all services. For more information, visit our website at toddsroadgracechurch.com. Now here's our pastor, Todd Nybert. I'm speaking from Luke chapter 15 this morning, and I'm asking this question, what does repentance look like? You've no doubt heard from the preacher, repent, and perhaps you've wondered what it means to repent. I believe God answers that question in this parable he gives. Now Luke chapter 15 has three parables and they all go together. The parable of the lost son, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the lost sheep. Now in the first two parables, the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin, the Lord ends with this statement There's joy in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. Now, when we read the parable of the sheep, we don't read anywhere of the sheep repenting, but the shepherd going after the sheep. This is the work of the son in salvation. And in the parable of the lost coin, the lost coin certainly couldn't repent. He was lost, dead, lifeless in the dirt. And the woman came and found him. This is the work of God the Holy Spirit in giving a dead sinner life. But in both of these parables, the Lord ends with this statement with regarding joy in heaven over the one sinner that repenteth. And then in the parable of the lost son, we don't read of the word repentance, but we find what repentance truly is with regard to this lost son. Now, in verse 20, 35 of Luke chapter 14, we read these words, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Would to God that you and I would have ears to hear this message. We then read, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. Who had ears to hear? The publicans and the sinners. You know, you can only hear the gospel and I can only hear the gospel as a sinner. I either hear the gospel as a judge and a critic, or I hear the gospel as a sinner. And I love the way then drew near all the publicans and sinners to hear him. They were the ones who were given hearing ears. And they felt a level of comfort coming into the presence of Christ without being threatened and judged. They drew near to hear what he had to say. And we read in verse 2, 
And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Now, they were upset with the Lord for receiving sinners and eating with them. They were saying, He's promoting immorality. He's saying sin is okay. He's putting his stamp of approval on these people. This is wrong. Verse 3, and he spake this parable unto them. He spake this parable unto the Pharisees, and he spoke this parable to the publicans and sinners. Now, these are the two representative groups. You and I are in one of these two groups. We're in the group of the Pharisees, the separated ones, the religious ones who believed that there was something they did that separated from them, them from other men, like the Pharisee in the temple. God, I thank thee that I'm not as other men are. Or we are a sinner, a publican, someone who has nothing to bring to the table to recommend me to God. Now he spake this parable unto him, them. And he gives three parables. The parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the lost son. And they all go together depicting the work of the father in salvation in the lost son, the spirit in salvation in the lost coin, and the son in salvation in the lost sheep and the shepherd going after the sheep. Verse 4. He says, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if you lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he found it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. You know, it's interesting, after each of these three parables, there's a party. There's a time of rejoicing and celebration. And then the Lord concludes this parable with these words, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. More than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. And then he goes to the next parable. Verse 8, either what woman having ten pieces of silver, this was her wedding dowry, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. This is what the Holy Spirit does when he goes after the Lost, God's elect in deadness and inability. And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there's joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Now, it's my prayer that I might be that one sinner that repenteth, and that you might be that one sinner 
sinner that repenteth. Now somebody says, well, what is repentance? What does it mean to be the sinner that repenteth? Well, the lost son demonstrates to us what true repentance is. And let me say at the outset of giving the parable our Lord gives, the father's the the star of this story, not the son. Now look in verse 11. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And as you go on reading, you find there was the elder son that was the good boy. The one that was out working. The one who got upset at the father's reception of the wayward son. And there was the younger son. And these two men in this parable, as the scripture so often does, are the two representative men. You and I are either the younger son or the elder son. Now let's read this description of this younger son. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. This young man had a strong sense of entitlement. He sounds like a spoiled brat to me. Give me my inheritance right now. I want you to die, but I can't wait for that. So I want my inheritance now and I'm out the door. This man had such a sense of entitlement and he had such low views of his father. He wanted away from his father. Give me my inheritance and I'm out the door. No doubt he was critical of his father. There were things about his father that he didn't like and he wanted away from his father. You've probably heard that story. Maybe you've experienced it yourself. And he divided unto them his living. It's amazing that the father did this, but he did it. He gave this young man his inheritance. Verse 13, and not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. I could be describing you. You've taken your journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. Now, how long did it take for that to take place? I don't know. Maybe a few weeks, maybe a few months, maybe several years. But all of his inheritance he wasted with riotous living. Now that word riotous comes from the word which means unsavedness. This man was living in a state of unsavedness. Now that can take so many different forms. It might be religious. It might be the Pharisee. It might be someone given over to uh, wine, women, and song. But whatever it is, he was living in a state of unsavedness. Savedness. Verse 14, and when he had spent all. A fool and his money soon go separate ways. And this man spent all. 
and there arose a mighty famine in the land. And I know who sent that famine. God sent that famine. And this young man, the scripture says, began to be in want. Oh, what a blessed place to be. He began to be in need. Now, let me remind you of the Savior's words. The whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And remember, we're trying to find out what is meant by repentance. What does it mean for a sinner to repent? Well, this man came into a state of want, a state of lack, a state of need. He had everything before this. Had a good time, but now all of a sudden he's run out of everything. And what did he do in this state of want? He went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he, the citizen of that country, sent him into his fields to feed swine. Now, this is analogous to a man joining a church. He joined a citizen of that country and that citizen put him to work put him to work to provide for himself, put him, put him to work to improve himself. He put him to work. And this was the ultimate indignity for a Jewish man. He put him to work in a field of swine. Verse 16, And he fain would have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. Human religion, a citizen of that country, a citizen of a far country, can never bring true satisfaction. All it can provide is husks, and you cannot live off husks. You see, the only true satisfaction there is, is knowing that everything God requires of me He looks to his son, Jesus Christ, for, and Christ performed everything for me. I'm satisfied with that. If you tell me that salvation is in some way dependent upon me, some work I need to perform, I find no satisfaction, only stress and worry. But oh, tell me that it's finished. Christ did it all, and I'm satisfied. But this man found no satisfaction in the husks of human religion. Verse 17, here's where repentance begins. And when he came to himself. Oh, he had been crazy. And the Lord brought him to this position of him coming to himself. But when he came to himself, what he had been doing was insane, but now He comes to himself. And what took place in him coming to self was this. Let me read the words. When he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's had bread enough to spare? That one I wanted to get away from. The one I had no love for. All of a sudden, he sees him in a completely different light. He's good. 
Oh, even the hired servants have bread enough and to spare. And I'm sitting here perishing with hunger. All of a sudden, he saw the goodness of his father. How many hired servants of my father's house have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and say unto him, Father, I have sinned. Oh, what a blessed place to be brought to. I have sinned. And that sin was against heaven and in thy sight. Not only is he brought to a totally different view of his father, he's brought to a totally different view of himself. He no longer has that sense of entitlement. He sees he's sinned and he's not even worthy to be called a son. A completely different view. Now this is what repentance is. It's repentance toward God. He had a different attitude toward his father. And it's repentance with regard to yourself. A change of mind with regard to yourself. All sense of entitlement is gone. And you now know that you sinned against God. And that if he sent you to hell, he'd be giving you exactly what you deserve. I have sinned. You know, everybody has a lot of understanding of everybody else's sins. Oh, this is a terrible uh, culture we live in and a terrible society we live in with all the sin and the, the ungodliness and there's so much sin in the church. What about your sin? I have sinned. Oh, when I'm brought to there, I don't have the capability of looking at anybody else's sin. I'm the problem. I have sinned against heaven. As David said, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when you speak and clear when you judge. I have sinned against heaven and before thee and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. I don't belong as a son. I forfeited all my rights. Whatever you do is right, just, holy, and true. You know, when I see people um, angry with the gospel, angry with God's way of salvation, it's not fair that God would elect some and pass by others. It's not fair that Christ die only for the elect. It's, it's not fair that we can't come to Christ and yet God will hold us responsible to come to Christ. That person knows nothing of repentance. He's God's judge. He's God's critic. He's never bowed the knee to who God is. and He's never seen who he, him, who he is in his own sinfulness. But now this man has been brought to repentance. Verse 20. <clears throat> and he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw. You see, his father was looking for him and his father expected him to return and he saw him from a great way off. His father saw him and look at his father's reaction. His father saw him and had compassion on him and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. He didn't say, look at that worthless boy coming home that's cost me so much money. He didn't say, well, let's examine his life and let's put him on a probationary period and see how well he does and see if, if there's anything to this. No, 
There was complete, immediate acceptance. Complete receiving of him. He ran and fell on his neck and he kissed him. And literally he kissed him with many kisses. So happy that his son had returned. And the son said unto him, verse 21, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. And look at the father's reply. But the father said to his servant, bring forth the best robe and put it on him, not hand it to him. You put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. Now, put a, the best robe on him, the robe of Christ's Righteousness, that fine linen, clean and white, the perfect righteousness of Christ. Put a ring on his hand. That signifies a covenant, an eternal covenant that has no end. This is the work of the Father in salvation. And put shoes on his feet, shoes to walk by faith, the work of God, the Holy Spirit. You can't walk by faith unless God gives you the grace in his spirit to do it. He gives him the work of all three persons of the Trinity in salvation. And let's have a party. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's found. And they began to be merry. Isn't that beautiful? The way the father receives the repenting sinner. He gave him that repentance in the first place. We see that in the first two parables. The shepherd going after the sheep and the woman going after the lost coin. The father gave him this repentance. He worked it in him. But how the father receives the returning sinner. Would to God that you and I might be that one sinner that repenteth that brings joy in heaven. But the story is not over. Let's go on reading. Now his elder son was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. What's going on? There's a party going on here. Wasn't I invited? And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, thy brother is come. That worthless little brother of yours. That brother who wasted your father's uh, money and lived in such a immoral, wicked lifestyle, that foolish young brother of yours that brought shame on the family name. He's returned. He's come. And thy father hath killed the fatted calf because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry. He didn't like this. This is not right. This is not fair. That man has been a wicked man. He's been a criminal. He's been an immoral man. And my father receiving him, my father's putting his stamp of approval upon his immorality. He's putting his stamp of approval on his lifestyle. He's saying there's no consequences for action. My father's wrong. He's angry. You know, Pharisees are always angered by the gospel. It may come in the disguise of um, a righteous indignation or moral outrage, 
But what it is, it's an anger with God. It's an anger with God's character. He was angry. He didn't like grace. Pharisees never do. He didn't like mercy. Pharisees never do. He was angry and he would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. He's showing his actual dislike of the service. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. Now that's a lie. That's a lie. When people make statements with regard to all the good they've done, it's a lie. They can say it, but it's not true. That's what this man was doing. I never transgressed your commandment. Yes, you did. But this is what he was saying. And yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. I had not only died, you, you wouldn't even give me a goat. Not even a fatted calf, but a goat. You didn't give me anything and this is not right. I've served you much better than him. And you're putting him on the same level even better than me. This is not right. He was displeased with this. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. There's something wrong with this. You are making immorality okay. You are normalizing wickedness by receiving this man to yourself. And here the father's reply. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad for this. Thy brother was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found. Now some take from the father's response that this younger brother represents a believer. No, the father is a merciful man. And it would have messed up this parable to say for the father to say, well, you're not my son anymore. You're at the door. Uh, That's the wrong way to look at it. This father was a good father. But I think it's interesting the way the parable is left open-ended. We don't know whether the older son forgave his brother or continued in anger. And the Lord doesn't let us know. Now, why is that? Why is this left so open-ended? I can answer that question. Because you and I are going to give the ending with our own ending. God is going to meet me and you on the ground that we come. If we come for sheer free grace, he'll meet us on that ground. If we come saying, Lord, simply let me be found in Christ. Don't look at my works. Look at Christ. I have no other hope. He'll meet you there. If you come wanting fairness, wanting what's coming to you, wanting justice, you'll get it. And here's what's going to happen. God will send you to hell. God will meet you on the ground. God will meet me on the ground. We come to him. If you come for pure, free grace, you'll be received. If you come on the footing of your works, you'll be paid accordingly. And God always pays his debts. This is what repentance looks like. And this is what lack of repentance looks like. Now, we have this message on DVD and CD. If you call the church or look at our website, we'll get you a copy. This is Todd Nyberg praying that God will be pleased to make himself known to you. That's our prayer. Amen.
To receive a copy of the sermon you have just heard, send your request to todd.nybert at gmail.com or you may write or call the church at the information provided on the screen.